You're listening to the Exeter Vineyard Church podcast. New episodes each week. If you'd like to know more about Exeter Vineyard Church, head over to our website, www.exe.vin. We're doing a series. We're working through the book of Colossians. We are just taking a a section as the as it happens, the NLT editors decided to break the book up. We're doing a section at a time, and today we're going to be looking at Colossians 1, 24 to uh, chapter 2, verse 4. And one of the things we want to do is think about what is it saying to us. This, like a lot of, uh, well, a lot of the Bible, if we're honest, and especially these New Testament letters, they can be somewhat confusing. Um, like in this bit, there's a bit about participating in Jesus' sufferings and all that. Um, you know, I would tend to just kind of skim. If I didn't understand skim, I'll get, I'll get the gist of it kind of thing. But when we're taking a little longer, we're looking into it. And um, something I really recommend is a practice we've done, talked about before called digging for gems. If you want to put in the time, it's really rewarding where you re- take that section and you rewrite it in your own words. And you, wherever there's a religious word, holy, grace, righteousness, you have, to, you have to think, how, would I, how could I write this in a way that someone who has no church background, doesn't understand this, that they can understand it? Because it's really helpful for us. You know, I feel a lot of times these religious words roll off my tongue without me thinking the depth of the, the, the imagery and the idea they're carrying. Uh, and anyway, often the digging for gems really makes you have to think about some of these things that you would have skimmed, and it can really help untangle it. So what we're doing is we're opening the Bible. We're asking God to speak to us. And we're using the Bible a little bit like a mirror, I think, because it's reflecting back at us stuff that we can't see. You know, like if you look in a mirror and you're like, oh, how long have I had that on my cheek for? You know, because you can't see your own face. And the Bible sometimes will, will bring something out and we'll be like, oh, this is something that's going on in me that I haven't even thought about. So we're, we're doing that today. We're asking it, you know, like we're asking the Bible to make us question, question, a question like, what is this stuff on my cheek? You know, like, where did it come from? All those things. So we're going to do that today. And one thing that we want to start doing more regularly or build into our culture is prayer. So um, Alex said every month we get the hub leaders together, we talk about stuff. And something that's come up is like how we, how we do prayer. So prayer is like such an umbrella term. So this morning we have prayed thanksgiving to God in song. You've had conversations. What I love is, I think especially because we've been doing hubs, we have those connections. So you'll be sat around uh, a table drinking a coffee and someone will say something. You say, oh, well, we could just pray about that now. You know, there's all sorts of prayers going on. Uh, but we want to think about that prayer, that 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 certain type of prayer that is that sponta- spontaneous encounter with God that we can happen. And so we, we, you know, we often do this in a service. We say, oh, if you'd like prayer, you know, come forward. And I just think w- we don't quite have the culture. So we want to kind of lean into it and make a culture. And we're thinking with the hub leaders, we're thinking what's the best way to make that happen. And there's one thing that often I think we, do, we feel uncomfortable. I don't want to go forward for prayer because it feels like it's an admission of some kind of something's wrong, you know, like some failing. And we've got to get into the mindset, all of us, of thinking prayer is just off going forward or receiving prayer 
or going to the back as it will be, go, go and receiving prayer is just as much of a commissioning, a saying yes to God, a saying I want to step into this opportunity and I want you to be with me as I do it. Um, so it can be a yes just as much as a, like a help thing. And um, so what we're going to start doing is we'll, we'll have time for prayer and we'll use the back. And if you want someone to come alongside you and basically invite God to be present in that moment and, you know, empower you or be at work in something like that, we can do that. And to make it simpler as well, because one of the other things we've, we know that happens, it's hard. You think, I'm going to go up for prayer, but will anyone come and pray for me? So we're going to start having people wearing lanyards that say this. So you know that we'll have them stood at the back and you know, oh, actually, I really feel God is prompting me about this thing and I want to get involved. I want to I wanna have someone come alongside me and invite God into that process. And we, you, can, you can say, oh, there's those people and I don't like the look of them or them, but they look okay. You know, so that sorts of thing. So we're going to start doing that. We want to kind of spa- give space at the end of our services for that to happen. Um, because I, I realize we lean towards the cerebral you know there's a lot of I think we do it of this is coming from my me I think there's a lot of like oh this idea let's think about how we understand this thing and I think we do a lot of the everyday so tomorrow morning you know what can you put into action what can we do differently how can we approach life differently and and we just want to push into that moment of encounter that that can be really important and significant just that encouraging connection with God someone coming alongside us uh, to to empower us. So we want to do that. So we're going to start doing that increasingly. So anyway, so we're looking at this passage in Colossians. We said the, uh, the Bible asks us questions. And so the question that I think that we're going to see the Bible ask us today is how do we work or what level of effort are we doing for God's church? How do we work for God's church? So uh, let's read the passage, uh, just a bit of the passage, verses 24 to 29. This is uh, from the New Living Translation, uh, which I didn't put out on my notes. Uh, So it says this, I am glad, this is Paul writing to the church in Colossae, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but has now been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That is why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Right, so I I mean, I read that out. That was like uh, reading speed, so that was slower than we would read I won't do a show of hands, but it's really easy to glaze over, isn't it, when those things. So this is why um, Digging for Gems personally is so helpful. I'm going to read out my Digging for Gems for this. This job is tough. It often leads to hardship, but I accept this as a joy because Jesus' example was suffering as a sacrifice of worship. 
He suffered for the church, and this still continues as the church grows and draws more people into God's family. So despite the difficulties, I know I have an important responsibility from God. That is to tell you what he has done. This information was not revealed to people in the past. They knew God had promised to rescue us, but had no idea how he would do it. But now we have seen it. And this is it, that God's wonderful riches and glory is being given to all people, not just to the special people, the Jews. And what are these glorious riches? That God lives in us. He has made his home in the lives of Jews and Gentiles alike. And because he has made us worthy, accepted us, and drawn, us so, and drawn so intimately close to us, we can be sure that one day, when this messy world is renewed, we too will receive God's glory and become gloriously made new. So this is what we do. We tell everyone, regardless of their background, about the wonderful news about Jesus and his free invitation. We warn them that real life isn't found anywhere else, and we teach them with all the wisdom God has given to us. And this is all working towards our purpose, to help people meet God with a fantastic and fully formed attitude towards Jesus. This is the most important thing ever, the foundation and end of being human, which is why I'm happy to work and struggle so hard. But I am not alone. I'm not trying to do this in my own resources. God offers his strength and resources to me out of his mighty power, and so I depend on his power at work in me. So I felt, that as I was reading this, the bit that jumped out, there was actually more to this passage that we had. But the bit was this idea of this project that Paul sees he has this project to do, this task that's been given to him that is the most important thing in the whole world. And he is co-working with God. And he is working so hard because it's so important. He is prepared to suffer for it you know and that um the most important in my digging for gems that to help people meet god and to become more like him that is the most important thing in the world and he will work to the point of suffering now it's interesting because i think nobody likes the idea of suffering and certainly the way we often think about church is that church should be a place of joy peace happiness all that so the idea of suffering for the church is a little bit jarring. But in reality, if we think about it, there are lots of things that we suffer for. If there is something you value highly, we will suffer for it. Like your job, you know, you value your paycheck, so you will suffer for it. Maybe you're doing something for your uh, health. You know that you uh, get up early and you go and run and you... I mean, what a stupid thing to do, but you do it because you value getting healthy. What about kids? Kids are just a whole world of suffering. Like, and yet we do it because we love them and we value them. So all these things, uh, you know, we will, we will put, through, put through a hardship so that we can put food on the table, so that we can uh, help our sprogs grow up, so that we can see the gains uh, from the gym, whatever it is, all those things. And what Paul's saying is church is one of these things that we should be working towards to the point of suffering. And in fact, I think what he's saying is this is God's project to rescue the world. And so it's actually top of the list kind of thing. And again, we struggle with that, I think, because when we think church, 
we think this, don't we? You know, this is the, the mind that we are trying to explode in us, that church, the word church should be like the word family. It should be about our identity, our being where we belong. So you don't ever say, are you going to family? What are you doing after family? What did you think of family today? We, we don't, because that doesn't work in that, but we often will put church in that. So we need to think church far more holistic as the renewed, changed, transformed people where, who God is living inside, this new type of people existing, the connections and the, the work and the activity of that. So when Paul says, I'm the body, I'm suffering for what Christ did in his body, I'm now suffering for his, his body now, is the church. It's this idea of that we are the church. So we are not in church, and we're not going to church, and church isn't going to finish, and you're thinking, I hope it, church will finish on time because of the thing I've put in the oven, all those things. We are church. So at this time tomorrow, at 20 to 12 tomorrow, Wherever you will be, workplaces, schools, homes, you know, wherever you are, you are still church. Because you are still part of your family now, even if none of them are there. You're not part of your family only when you do Christmas or a Sunday lunch or anything like that. So this is what we've got to really understand. Church is the community of believers centered around God, co-working with him to renew the world. That's why Jesus says, when two or more are gathered in my name, so when we are connected because of Jesus, that is church. And so perhaps a good way to think about this, if not rather cliched, is like the iceberg analogy. You know the iceberg that a certain percentage that I didn't think to Google before exists above the waterline and then a much larger percentage exists under the waterline. Does anyone know the exact, uh, is it an exact percentage? Is it always the same? 90, 10, that's what we're going, any, any raise on 90, 10? <laughs> so, okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I should have done more research. If I was going to make this much of a point on it, I should have known what I was talking about. Um, so, this is what I'm thinking. This is where we've got to understand that. So, when Paul's asking us to work to the point of suffering, I think, I think it's in the Bible. We shouldn't argue with that. But what we need to hear is understand what church is, because this could be a perfect, you know, as a church leader, I could really leverage this and lay it on, think about, you know, you need to work to the point of suffering to help make the activities of this particular organization work. And it's, and it's not that. It's so much broader, so much wider, but it's a question we need to ask ourselves. So I was thinking about this, about an iceberg. So there's the obvious parts of church, or what we tend to think of church. So Sunday services, the stuff we do for our under-18s, messy church. These are our organized activities that we put the word church on, like extra vineyard church Sunday services, which doesn't quite capture the fullness of the capital C worldwide global church. Um, but these things, these things take energy, time, effort to do. And I don't think it is unreasonable to think that it should cost us to make this happen. Someone needs to put the chairs out, make the coffee. Uh, you know, the stuff that people are doing for our young people is an investment. Some of them don't even have kids, but they are investing. It's not a self-investment. It's investing in the next generation, in other people. These are all really important things that go on. And in fact, you know, we've changed the Sunday service, but we could really do with a few more people that say, I'm happy to take on a task. You know, at the moment, we're kind of like bare bones. So when someone can't do something, there's a lot of covering 
you know, like doubling up and other people doing stuff. So th these things are important that they take uh, energy from us. And I think this is an environment where we want to be doing what Paul's talking about, encouraging people to discover that Jesus lives in them and the goodness of him and the encouragement to live life like that. And then there's this thing that I kind of put more near the waterline hubs because it kind of feels like church, but it's a little bit different, but it is fully church and it's this environment. And we can support that. We can put effort and energy into that, whether that is, you know, so often things that we don't think of as as church work. So the, there's a, this word that the church uses called ministry. You've heard of that. You know, I'm in, the min I'm in ministry because I work full-time as for a church. But actually, ministry just means work that we're doing for God. And so in hubs, to turn up and to have a conversation with someone, to offer to pray for them, to encourage them, to bring some hash browns or whatever it is you're bringing, all that th stuff really is ministry. It is working towards this, uh, this, the body of Jesus to encourage it. Then we have some stuff slightly under the water. It's gain organized things. I was thinking for us, we have cross lines that helps feed homeless and vulnerably housed people. Again, someone this month has had to come off the rotor once a month to help on a Monday night and just, you know, whether it's washing up, serving up food, standing out and chatting about often like complete rubbish, you know, we can do that. Uh, the Refugee House, we work with Belmont and Network Church to do this. So there are two families that have been able to move out of refugee camps. There are six kids who are in a safe environment getting an education who would have otherwise been in living in tents in a refugee camp. And that we are ready to bring, or we have the resources to bring a third family across. So there's going to be a time when we'll need more like decorating. Stuff we've all done, you know, as a church, we've, we've sacrificed to do before. Decorating, sorting out, organizing, things like that. So they're hoping to get towards that. Roundabout is another one. The... Um, this is kind of like giving uh, equipment and clothes to, to families. Sue's done that. Sue's moved away. We're just still seeing if anyone feels like, oh, actually, maybe I could take that on. I'm, I might adapt it, but I have a feel prompt and a heart to, to do that. But then there's a load of stuff that I think is church that we should be doing to the point of sacrifice. Encouragement, support, challenge, hospitality, prayer, making a difference. All these things, and the point is they are a sacrifice because it's so easy not to do it. It's so easy not to engage with other people. Do you know what? It is easier just to go home, close your door, and not think about anyone else. Um, it's easier not to get involved. Other people's lives are messy. Other people have problems, and if you're involved in their lives, you have get drawn into their problems. It is a sacrifice, but it is part of what church is. Um, supporting people. You know, other people have needs, and sometimes being able to offer a meal or a lift or, a, you know, just those sorts of helps, it's easier not to, but we push into it because we are working for God's, for Jesus's body, as Paul did. What about challenge? You know, like, it's so easy to try and avoid any awkward situations. But true friendship, to love someone sometimes, is to ask them a difficult question. Like, 
I notice you've done this. What what's going on? Why have you done that? Or you know, it feels like this isn't working very well with you. Is is everything okay? Uh, hospitality, opening up your homes, opening up your lives, being welcoming, all these things, much easier not to do. Supporting people, time, effort, and money, praying for other people, so easy. I mean, actually, I was thinking about this on a number of things. It's kind of easy, a lot of these things to talk about, but it's harder to do. And it's a bit like the Cross Lines Refugee House and Roundabout. I don't know if you've been in a conversation with someone who has, knows nothing about church and you're talking about church. It's so nice because they don't really get church, and they think you're a bit weird. It's so nice to say, oh, yeah, well, my church, we, uh, the, the church helps the homeless. We do this for refugees. Like, the, the, the ability to boast about it is fine, but I think you need to ask a question if you don't want to be involved in it at the same time. And the same with prayer. I just realized it's the easiest thing to say to someone, oh, I'll pray for you, and then never do it. And so whatever you need to do. I set reminders on my phone. That's the only way I know I'll remember to actually do what I say I'm going to do. All these things. And just making a difference. You know, it's not just about the people in the church, but just the, this overflowing of these things into the world around us as well. So I think the challenge I felt from this passage is, are we working for Jesus' body, for his church, to a point of hardship and suffering, or have we got a mindset of church is an organization that provides a service for me to go along to, to, to be part of? So in all areas, Sunday mornings, hubs, the um, under-18s, the, the things that we do to help people who are struggling, and even just in the relationships we have when we do coffee and tea, when we see each other in hubs, when we're messaging on WhatsApp, all those things, are we aware that this is God's church that we have an opportunity to co-work with him into? And there's something about each of us that can do that. This is one of the reasons I love that we're kind of like trying to disrupt just the, the cookie-cutter way of doing church. Because it used to be there are these certain roles where you get to encourage the church, but it's not true at all. So your unique personalities, skills, abilities, and your unique location and circumstances mean you have an opportunity to invest in the church, in Jesus' body, where your workplace, the people alongside you, to offer to pray for them, to be nice. The hub you're in, the people you end up talking to as you sit and eat donuts, all those things are opportunities. So it, there's not a, like a one-size-fits-all for this. This isn't just, can you sign up for this rotor? This is to ask God, what is it you want me to do? Where am I already doing it? Where do you want me to press in? Am I doing it well within my comfort zone? Is there somewhere you want me to step out so it feels a bit more like hardship? And that's the exciting thing. That's where we get to meet God. I was thinking about that song we sing, Oceans. I mean, it's a terrifying song to really sing, if you mean it. You know, take me out where I'm going to, you know, out of my depth, and I learn to trust in you, and there's no, there's no, like, nothing to hold on to, all those things. It's a terrifying song, really, and we only get to do that if we trust God is truly good and is on our side. But I think we do this in small steps. And that's why I wanted to finish on this. this that Paul's talking about, you know, all this, why it's so important. He says, that's why I work and struggle so hard. But he says this, but I depend on Christ's mighty power that works within me. This is where we get to meet Jesus. It's in that point where we are a little bit beyond 
what makes us comfortable, where we take that one step out of the default way of living and discover that he is going to help us do that. And it is in those small steps. This is how our life grows. We take these small steps and we discover Jesus is there. And that's really exciting. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about Exeter Vineyard Church, head over to our website, www.exe.vin.